So on Christmas Eve, my daughter Noelle was finalizing a gift she created by hand. Uh, we had to go to FedEx Kinko's to get the project printed, and while we were there, we saw a woman who was working on a project that cost maybe about $2. And it was evident by the associates working there that she had been there for a long time, striking up conversations with any willing listener. And after a little small talk and inquiries about our project, my job, my name, she talked about her work as a painter and with some grandiose insertions about how they were commissioned and how much people paid for them. They were worth thousands, but somehow her words didn't seem to match her appearance. She seemed, in fact, to be struggling a bit, and I knew that look because I, too, had lived there before. So we were in the store for about at least 90 minutes with the team trying to accommodate my daughter's needs, and we ended up leaving with what we thought was a finished project, and the artist stranger we met said goodbye, and she was still fiddling around with her $2 purchase. So once we were in the parking lot, I made note of only one vehicle there, and it was a van. It was the stranger's van, and it was full, clearly full with her world, her life, and everything she owned. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty certain she lived in that van. We got in the car, and I said to my daughter, that woman is living out of the van. And my daughter looked, and she seemed convinced as well. She's homeless, my daughter began crying. And I mean really crying, unconsolable. So we found our way to Michael's, where she had to go next. And she realized there was something in the book that was wrong and we needed to go back. And she begged me, please don't make me go back in there. I don't want to look at that lady again. It just makes me so very sad. And I called the store and said, hey, we had an error. We need to come back. And I teased and said, is that Verbo stranger still there? And they said, yep, she's there. And she's been here all day. And I told them, you know, I think, I think she's in there because she's cold and she's probably trying to stay warm. And the associate's tone turned a little warmer thinking about this stranger's predicament. My daughter begged me again to go in alone and I told her, listen, they're closing in 15 minutes. We don't have enough time to go back and forth. You've got to go in. It's your project. You need to make sure that it's right. So we went inside and that stranger was still there and she was still working on her $2 project. And when we finished, maybe 10 minutes later, we said goodbye, we said Merry Christmas, and we watched the stranger take her one little picture that she had and put it inside of a mug as a sleeve, and that was the project. When we got out to the car, my daughter began to wail. She really cried. She felt really bad looking at the van there in the parking lot filled with everything this woman must have loved. And she tried to imagine how she would escape the frigid wind that night. And I said to her, now, Noelle, calm down. I, I want you to tell me, what would you have me to do? And she said, I don't know, Mom. I, I think we should give her something. And I saw a quick trip across the street. I said, well, let's go over there. I'll go to the ATM and I'll get her some money. So I went over to the ATM across the street with just minutes to spare, walked in, pulled out $200, and I went back quickly got to the Kinko's and noticed the woman was leaving. I honked my horn so she would stop. I got out. I went up to her car and I said, Ma'am, I want to give this to you. It's a gift. And I want you to know that all of heaven sees you. And I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. And she immediately said, That's 
crazy. I said, it's only $200, but I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. It's just a gift for you. She looked in her van as to see if there was something she could give me as a gift in exchange. And I said, no, ma'am, it's just for you. I got back in my car and we began to drive away. And I went out a different way. I didn't want her to see us, follow us, or feel that anything needed to be reciprocated. And I told my daughter, Noelle, I want you to remember this. I'm really glad you have such empathy and compassion for this stranger. But what I want you to remember is this. Tears and sorrow will not change that woman's evening. It's not gonna keep her warm. It's not gonna feed her. Compassion without action is just a feeling. So you have to make sure that when you're an adult, you have to force the resources, the influence, the capability to fuel your compassion. And she said she understood that. And I'd like to ponder on that for just a moment because I find that in business in particular, right now, that seems to be the, the brand, compassionate leadership. Our organization is moved by compassion. We're fueled with compassion to meet the needs of our people. But again, compassion without resources, it's just a feeling. It's just a feeling. The airways are filled with people who express empathy and compassion for those who struggle or those who are without or simply need a lift. Leaders encounter all manners of people who want to see our compassion in action, not just words or heartfelt sentiment or company values. So how can you put your action to your sentiment, your values, your commitment to compassion-based leadership? Number one, truth, right? Tell the truth, straight talk. You know, I've been in environments that are very uncomfortable where I've had people either come to me and say, this person has a problem with their breath, halitosis, and that seems funny, but you know, this person doesn't know that. That's an act of compassion is telling the truth because all the people in the room all are aware of this, but no one is walking up. That's straight talk, right? Isn't that an act of compassion? Wouldn't you want someone to walk up to you and tell you, hey, you have tissue paper hanging down from your undergarments, or hey, you've got a stain on your outfit, or hey, you have food in your teeth, right? That's an act of compassion. An obvious one, number two, is resources. You know, if you say that you care for me, you care for your people, where are the resources? What do you mean by resources? Money, benefits, health, opportunity? Those are all resources. Again, compassion without action or resources, it's just a feeling. People know that you mean it by what you do, not by what you say, not by your tagline, but what you do. You know, number three, effort or service. Pitching in, what does that look like? That means I'm willing to come where you work to serve and pitch in. So when you find that you're working with people who can't have lunch, who are working, you know, significant hours, they're exhausted, they're getting burnt out. What can you do? What is your act of compassion? You can show up. You can get in the trenches with them. You can show, hey, I'm here to serve whatsoever is required, I'm right here with you. That's an act of compassion. You can use your influence. Maybe it's not within your 
capability to fix it, but you have influence in the fix. Are you willing to share your influence? Are you willing to share your relationship? Those key relationships that you're so fortunate to have? That's an act of compassion. Coaching and mentorship, finally. That's an act of compassion. It takes a lot of work to coach people. That is not an appointment that you do once a month. Coaching is regular conversations, regular investments. It costs you something. That's an act of compassion. Compassionate leadership is tangible. It's a something. It's not a feeling. It's not a statement. You can see it, not just feel it. It's a goal which brings about change. It doesn't pity, you know? People don't need the pity. It needs redemption. It multiplies, right? So when you share compassion, it multiplies. I imagine that woman that we met going home or wherever home was for her. Maybe she didn't have a home. Maybe she that $200 may have gotten her a hotel room that night. Maybe it got her a warm meal. But I imagine her retelling that story to someone. Hey, I saw this, this woman and her daughter and they just walked up to me and just gave me this money for no reason. I imagine her thinking that and then thinking, how can I pay that forward, right? Because that kind of action begets more of the same. It multiplies. And what it can't change, this too is compassion. What it can't change, it releases or forces out. It forces out and that too is compassion. Resources activate compassion. If you're going to tell me that you care, our teams want you to show them, right? Show me that you care. Don't tell me you care. Show me that you care. And my responsibility will be to be a multiplier. You've got the ability to do that. Be a compassionate leader that we all can see.